0: Football season is just around the corner, and MyBookie is the best place to bet football this season. They have easier deposits, faster payouts, and the best customer service. MyBookie is simply the most accurate and trusted source for odds information, analysis, and wagering opportunities on the internet. So, what are you waiting for? Head on over to MyBookie.ag to open and fund your MyBookie account today and start winning with the best. Now on to the show.
1: Infirmary Media. Start.
2: People engage, to stop for jewel in decades. The Matrix and Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Strap on that cap, bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Duel
3: in decades. Who
2: culture popping pins, dropping hand grenades? Van Halen locked in mortal combat with David Gray. Banner ballet and sick. I am made of GNR. Come fight for what you love.
0: Duel in decades. Broadcasting from the new infirmary media studios. It's the adult-only retro game show where the eighties and nineties do battle. Because it's your history, we just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. Let's meet this week's duelers and the decades they will be fighting for as we return to tag team action here on our show. First off, introducing the other man whom along with myself, Mark James, make up the team, the Mama Lukes. It's Man Crush.
2: That's right. We're the Mama Lukes. We got August of 1986. The entire month for once was... Which- it's been a whole month since we've got to
4: do a month.
0: And our opponents, the After School Specials.
4: It's good to be back. Uh, my name is Norm Macdonald, better known as uh, Bo Craft to those of you that are unfamiliar with me. And in my corner, my tag team partner. Go ahead and
1: introduce yourself. Maybe take your shirt off, rub your nipples a little bit. <laughs> I'm Mike Ranger, and we're representing August of 1991. <laughs>
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judge's coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And the winning decade shall be decided by the highest overall score after all five rounds. And as always here on our show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So back behind the bench, it's the bearded Brit from Brooklyn, Judge John Cross.
3: Yes, that's right. I am Judge John Cross, and I love it when people come behind my bench (laughs) Anyway, uh, (laughs) we start off the game with a coin toss. Do we want to know what the coin toss is this week? Yes, it's the uh, comic adaptation of Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Uh, It's number three, so it's not even the first one. It's number three, but it is the Freddy's Dead Nightmare graphical uh, reproduction. And uh, do people want the uh, comic front, or do they want the movie poster back?
2: Mm. Bo, you can call it since you've been gone forever. Uh, let's
4: go. Let's go face.
3: Comic front. Here we go. Comic say. Roll if you please. And it's the comic face. Wow. The after school specials, and they are very special.
1: Mm. First, what do you
4: think, Mike? What do you want to start off with? Um, I think movies. All right, show me potato salad. Alright. You want me to go first? Uh I'll kick this one off because I all got right, a pretty go. good one here. All right, movies. Uh August nineteen ninety-one. This was released August twenty-third. Uh it's arguably the best uh action biker film of all time. Uh Mickey Rourke, Don Johnson talking about Harley Davidson and the Marlboro man. You also have a supporting cast that includes, get this, Daniel Baldwin, Giancarlo Esposito, mm-hmm. Tom Sizemore. And yes, Vanessa Williams. Uh, The film was a critical and financial failure, earning uh, only $7 million at the domestic box office. The budget was estimated at about $23 million, Uh, so a fair shake. They made a little money back. Uh, It's since become a cult classic following its release to video, and one that I watched just a few months ago on the Epics channel uh, and turned off very shortly after it began, actually. What couldn't
1: Blasphemy. do it? I couldn't. Really? There
4: weren't enough Marlboro points, leather jackets in there for me. <laughs> there was no duffel bag you can get. From watching How
0: could it. you not like a movie with my identical twin brother Virginia Slim in the movie? Come
4: on. Mm, I thought you were going to say Don Johnson.
0: Oh no.
2: <laughs> it's actually not a bad movie. It's it did get a bad shake in the box office, but it's not bad, and you get to see Daniel Baldwin in a giant leather trench coat. Zipped up stop, the entire time. Stop,
4: I can only get so erect.
0: So could he in that trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> Sweating
2: his ass off. I barely think he has any lines. Isn't he like kind of like a mute fucking assassin or whatever the fuck he is?
0: He doesn't know. He didn't finish watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. But yes, he is the enforcer for the uh, drug kingpin.
3: Yeah. I, for the right. I've syndicates. seen it, but I've seen it probably about 10 years ago so i i don't remember
2: damn okay shit nobody's seen this one except for bo seeing 10 minutes and me seeing the entire thing probably a dozen
4: times i i saw i saw probably like 15 roughly
0: i've seen it about 25 fucking times i love this movie
4: oh no i've no so i'm saying i
2: okay so both of us
4: have seen it
0: shit we should have picked it
4: <laughs> if I had 1991 yeah, yeah. I probably would have. Well, it was this or uh, the the Rodney Dangerfield animated movie where he plays a dog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, over to you. What's your selection? Well,
1: on August 30th, 1991, we got the logical sequel to the 1982 cult hit The Beastmaster. Beastmaster 2, Through the Portal of Time. The best part about that is there's no fucking time traveling, it's a fucking parallel universe where in 1991 (laughs) Earth just happens to exist. Mark Singer returns as Dar, a two-fisted, ferret holden beast whisperer, forced to travel to Earth and stop his fiendish brother from stealing an atomic bomb in the fear that they could possibly make their world look any shittier. The film saw a limited theatrical release, grossing less than a million against a six million dollar budget. The series uh, received its third installment in '96, and a TV series in
2: '99. Wow! Damn, I'm glad you said that he was
1: two-fisted.
2: He's just <laughs> running around with one hand. I'm surprised that they actually spent six million dollars on that movie. That's well, sad. they
1: had to go through that portal. And portals cost money. <laughs>
2: All right, so you guys went with uh, Harley Davidson and Marlboro Man and Beastmaster 2. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first?
0: I'll start off this one, Man Crush.
4: All right, go ahead.
0: You know, and I know we're in the middle of a dueling decades game, but I want to play another game. You guys remember the the pyramid?
4: Yeah, the Egyptians?
0: No, the the game, like the $100,000 or $10,000 or Mm. $4 pyramid or whatever the fuck it was. So we're going to do that with this pick. I'm going to just say a few clue words about this movie, and uh, you guys try to guess the movie. So if I say basketball, lobster, Godzilla, Nantucket. You're talking One Crazy Summer. That is right, John Cross. Released August 8th, 1986. One Crazy Summer. The Savage Steve Holland masterpiece with uh, John Cusack, Joel Murray, Bobcat Goldwaith, Curtis Armstrong, oh, and Demi Moore, whoever she is. If you've never seen this movie, stop what you're doing right now. Go purchase it. It is one of the all-time classics. Just don't ask John Cusack, because he absolutely hates this movie.
3: And John Cusack uh, lately has become an asshole, so who gives a fuck what he thinks?
2: Uh, yeah, we saw him a couple years ago in a, in a panel, and we were just kind of, like, falling asleep. Was he,
3: wearing, was he wearing a long black coat, a black baseball cap, and a Ramones t-shirt? He did have a baseball cap on. He, did. he always wears the same shit. It's like, I'm going to skulk around wearing black and a Ramones T-shirt. If you watch every single movie he's done in the last 10 years, he wears a baseball cap, a black jacket, and a Ramones T-shirt at some point in the film. It's almost like the costume lady comes up to him and goes, John, will you wear this? And he's like, no, fuck off. I'm wearing a black jacket, a Ramones T-shirt, and a baseball cap.
2: It's in my rider. <laughs> yeah,
3: right. The only characters I can play are hitmen and very dull people. It's
0: like Jim Belushi in denim in a Cubs hat. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, Jim Belushi had a beige suit period. But, but Jim Belushi had that period where he wore like beige jackets and
2: things. Yeah, with the uh the arm with the sleeve protectors on the, the, the elbows. Oh, so, the yeah, best. Yeah, 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 he had those things. But it, it's really it sucks when I really like John Cusack, and then when we saw him in that panel, and we talked about this on Poop Culture a long time ago, it just kind of kills it for you after that, because yeah. I try to eliminate that from my memory, but it's tough.
0: Yeah, I don't think anything could ruin one crazy summer for me, though. Nah, it's a this movie. and Better Off Dead are just two of the pinnacles of the 80s and 90s for me.
3: I mean, don't get me wrong. I love John Cusack, um, and I love all his movies, even some of his recent ones. It's just in person, he he seems to be a bit of a douche, and- uh, he blocked me on Twitter, uh, which was completely bizarre. He blocked me on Twitter throughout the, uh, when the Cubs won the World Series. Uh, someone had like videotaped it. it, was like, oh, John Cusack's in the crowd. And I tweeted to John Cusack, like, hey man, hope you're enjoying the game or something. Cause we had tweeted before at each other and it came back up, uh, you've been blocked by John Cusack. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Did they lose that game? No, they won. They oh. won the World Series. <laughs> it was the game fuck? when they won the World Series. What a um, douche move. So, yeah, very weird. Anyway, sorry. Can't carry on, uh, Man Crush. Uh, that,
2: that, that was a good one, though. That's good to hear that he is definitely a, <laughs> a fucking dick bag on the outside. So
3: it wasn't just our experience. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> it
2: doesn't sound like it. No,
3: no. He's too busy showing up at pointless protests and things.
2: He hates Facebook. That we learned. Anyhow. Uh, all right. So moving on uh, to August 22nd of 1986 again you get like weird release dates i had to bring this up because i was talking to mark before this when i go to imdb a lot i i like imdb it's got a lot of like factual information on there but then it has this movie as november 26th 1986 where the fuck did they get that from i even go back to the newspapers just to make sure and it's all over august 22nd 1986
3: um, what I've noticed with IMDb, because it happens with me when I'm reviewing new movies or go to put new movies up on Letterboxd, and then it says it came out last year, if it showed up at a festival, whether it was Cannes, Toronto, New York, one of the big film festivals, they consider that the premiere date, even though it doesn't actually get released in the theaters en masse until the next year. So um there are a bunch of movies that were considered 2018 on imdb and Letterboxd that were actually came out in 2019 it's just they had their toronto international Well, this film one has actually came out
2: three months after the actual thing so it's fucking weird how yeah that's weird I, don't go I off of anything out. people find on the internet do some research and find out for yourself because a lot of times shit is fucking wrong uh anyways <laughs> uh this oscar nominated film is actually based upon a stephen king short story that was entitled the body from his 1982 story collection, different seasons, and uh, Bo's Ray throwing up his hands. It's um, my,
0: my favorite movie of all time.
2: <laughs> the movie went on to gross $52 million, was around $120 million in 2019. It had an $8 million budget, which is now that it's even more shocking that Beastmaster 2 had a $6 million budget. Uh, but this is the Rob Reiner classic that stars Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, uh, Jerry O'Connell, Kiefer Sutherland, and of course, the movie I'm talking about, none other than Stand By Me. It's just it's one of those movies that anybody could watch. There's a bit of something for everybody in this movie. It's a coming of age adventure, like kind of like Goonies, but in a more serious way. And then on top of that, you get the uh, the Richard Dreyfus narrating shit like Doogie Hauser, which makes it even better. And I'm not big on time pieces, but this is one that I actually enjoy. And even watching it in 2019, I just watched it a few weeks ago. It doesn't lose anything because it's a time period. It's, it's fucking great. Excellent movie. And going back, Stand By Me, August 22nd, 1986.
4: Suck my fat one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, what a couple of months for movies. And what some slightly unexpected picks uh, from both months. Uh, if we look at August 1991, uh, the after school specials could have gone with Return to the Blue Lagoon, they could have, but in all seriousness, they could have gone with Barton Fink and The Commitments, um, both of which uh, were huge releases uh, for that uh, month and have continued to be um, very kind of popular fan favorites. Uh, But there's a whole bunch, actually, like normally I run down a whole bunch of weird movies uh, as a joke, but I can't even find any. Um, The weirdest one that came out that month was probably Johnny Swade um but uh outside of that it's oh and nudist colony of the dead which should be on every child's christmas list this year (laughs) um get the blu-ray of that which i'm sure is going to be released by some dodgy outfit in the backwoods of ohio anytime soon um but yes a a great month uh for movies and 1986 similarly uh we had stand by me uh which is fantastic in one crazy summer um, so you had one big movie, which has kind of stood the test of time, and, and one movie that is like a, a kind of groovy cult hit, um, that, that certainly is a, a fan favorite still after all those years. But you could have had Blue Velvet, you could have had The Fly, you could have had my personal favorite, Howard the Duck, you could have had Manhunter, River's Edge, The Boy Who Could Fly, Friday the 13th, Part 6. Um, <laughs> Good One. The Transformers, the movie, Night of the Creeps, Night of the Creeps. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. I mean, come on! Does it get any better than August 1986? Um, Armed and Dangerous. John Candy had movies out in both these months, guys. Uh, It's uh, phenomenal. So did Bobcat uh, to see some of these. What did Bobcat have out? Mark's pick. Oh, one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he 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 didn't he didn't direct it. No, he didn't. It's not a Bobcat. No, no, no. It's not a Bobcat. Sorry. Yes, but you are right. Um, Bobcats in that. Uh, 86, of course, has a much longer list of. Mad shit no one's ever heard of, like Choke Canyon, um <laughs> which is phenomenal. Uh and Detective School Dropouts um and Frog Dreaming. Uh in fact, um Frog Dreaming and uh the wonderful Dead End Drive In, both directed by my personal friend Brian Trenchard Smith, and uh quintessential exploitation classics, if people haven't seen them. Uh but yeah, listen, both months, uh you should both be very proud. I'm very happy that you guys uh, from August nineteen ninety one went completely random with Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man and Beastmaster two. I applaud both those choices loud loudly. If it wasn't for the uh um sex toy debacle from the last episode, I would be uh, declined I would be inclined to just give it to nineteen ninety one just to piss off man
2: It's <laughs> way too early to do that.
3: I can't do that. Stand, stand by me stands tall above all the other movies, and One Crazy Summer is, of course, a cult uh, favorite at this point. So it does go to 1986, but a damn good showing from uh, the uh, after-school specials. Well done, everybody.
0: I'll take it. Thank God you ruled in our favor on that one, because if you didn't, Chopper was going to have to sick balls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what's amazing, though? The, uh, the top ten for the end of the month, I always like I I clipped them out. Obviously the fly was had the most money. Stand yeah. by me at two. And one crazy summer's not even in the top ten, but if you look at all these other movies in the top ten, it's got better legs than all of them. It's it's pretty nuts how that yeah. goes.
3: Oh oh yeah. I mean, if we went purely by the money, you know, we couldn't do things like the thing and uh even right. Howard the Duck, which was a notorious flop, but it's now kind of a cult fan favorite. And you know, there's there's a whole bunch of those baron munchausen and stuff that were really like massive money losers that have stood the test of time way more than some other films of that decade it's but, incredible uh, how
2: that happens though and i won't go too long on this but how a movie that's so great over time in the time period when it's released nobody gives a shit about it yeah you know yeah. who
1: do well, you blame what's crazy
3: is what's what's really weird to me as a sort of movie collector movie fan is that uh, even though we've seen this trend time and time again, even with shit as far back as like film noir and silent movies, and even Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and people still going strong and people still watching their movies and things, you would think studios would be more interested in uh like maintaining those collections, but actually they're selling off the rights to distribute those to a bunch of Blu-ray companies. And, producing movies now that are so disposable that after their opening weekend, they don't give a shit. So It's sort of mad that even though we have this trend, we can now look back over 120 years of movies and be like, look, there are certain decades that just won't die in certain movies that will keep coming back. Why don't you foster that with some new filmmakers and they just have no fucking interest in doing any of it. It's kind of crazy.
2: Shitty. All right, Anyhow, Mark, where do you want to go? We took that one pretty handily, but what do you think the weakest thing let's go to our weakest one here.
0: hmm you want to go television mm,
2: how about news
0: all right how about you pick man crush
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, i say news mark
3: all right so already having a row <laughs>
2: <laughs> actually i'll start with news all right so august 5th 1986 we get the official time where usfl just calls it quits the USFL was a uh, competing football league that was around. They were competing with the NFL. And uh, 1986 was going to be their first year that they were going to go head-to-head with the NFL and play football in the fall. However, what happened was they couldn't get a TV deal because the NFL had all the channels. So they uh, they put out a lawsuit against the NFL for $1.69 billion. And uh, it was an anti-competitive deal, whatever the fuck— uh, antitrust suit or whatever. Uh, But it was not found in their favor. It was actually found in the NFL's favor. But the NFL was uh, told to give them a check for $3, which interestingly, they didn't pay until 1990. And it turned out to be $3.76 because there was interest, which is not too bad considering that's 25% interest over uh, four years. Uh, However, since they lost this deal, they decided to fold the league for the 1986 season and they said they were going to come back in 1987 stronger and the tv contracts were going to run out for the nfl and the nfl would go on strike and all the shit would happen well they did have a strike in 87 but it was only for like two weeks they didn't lose any of their tv deals usfl never comes back and they call it quits but what we did get from the usfl during that time which is actually pretty cool they put nfl in new cities that were actually popular so we got Jacksonville Baltimore for instance like Bo has his Raven shirt on those are two cities that were flourishing with the USFL so the NFL of course picked up within the next 10 years and and plopped them in 10-15 years Uh, we got all kinds of players that move teams after that like Herschel Walker which obviously he signs with Dallas and that goes on and they become a dynasty after they trade him Uh, you got uh, Jim Kelly left in that same month He goes to the Bills, takes them to three Super Bowls, of course, loses them all. But Hall of Famer, nonetheless. I mean, just aside from that, just don't fuck with the NFL because you're not going to win. Because since then, no other league has attempted to have another fall season. Even the spring shit sucks. Go ahead, John.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry. What was the news story? It's it's the (laughs) USFL is folded. Okay.
2: It's okay. the United States Football League. They're, they're calling it quits after they lost this antitrust deal where they got a, a check for $3. They are no longer going to uh, put on a football thing. So they lost their cities. They lost their players, the whole nine. People went to the NFL. It's got further reaching. There's, there's a lot of things in here. Like, if you really think about it, Herschel Walker leaves. He goes to the Cowboys. Cowboys end up training him. They become a dynasty. That happens because USFL falls. You got Jim Kelly. He's on. He goes to the worst so, team, which sorry, is the Bills.
3: Was I, I'm sorry because I'm completely ignorant to all of Power. it. Um, was USFL and NFL running currently, or did USFL was running stopped and then the NFL started? Like no,
2: no, no. Good question. So the NFL has been running for hundred years and shit. They've been around forever.
3: That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah so great. USFL I'm, popped I'm up confused.
2: in '83 and they started as a spring football league.
3: And they were different entirely. They were like it, completely, completely
2: different, different league. Then in All 1986, right. they decided that they were going to go head-to-head and have fall football against NFL's fall football. And it, flat, it fell flat on their faces because they right. couldn't find a TV contract to go on television. So that's why they call it quit.
3: Okay, okay. All right. So the story could be people tried something for three years and it failed. But the story could also be, but because players moved from that league to the other league, and those players became successful, we're spinning it that way. It, it has legs,
2: because you got new NFL teams you know, going to these cities that they tried in USFL. You got players right. that left and obviously went I'm just to explaining to the it for
3: the non-football yeah, yeah, fans. There, there's
2: a lot to this story. There's more than just the USFL failing. There's a lot that goes into it that has legs for a long time. And if you're an NFL fan, I think you can grasp that. If you're not, it's kind of hard to pick up on. That's why I wanted to go first with this one. So I'm sure marks will be shorter. But that's basically what happens. USFL calls it quits. And one of your, you know,
3: Donald Trump had a team. So you know how that went. He's never had anything successful as far as I can (laughs) Except his name. And what's hilarious about that, his name is one of the stupidest names on the fucking planet. How is that the one successful thing that he's had is his name, which in Britain means fart.
2: I did not know that.
3: <laughs> yeah, if you if you do like a Trump, it means that you've like pfft, like a it's like a fart.
2: I don't want to yeah. get into any political stuff, but that is pretty fucking. Funny. I'm not. I'm
3: just saying he has a name that's a fart. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna write down here f- vague football league fails. That's what I'm writing fart. down here is the news article. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So for my news story, on August twenty ninth, nineteen eighty six, a federal judge ruled that Topps Bubble Gun Company should stop making Garbage Pail Kids stickers that poke fun at rival brand Cabbage Patch Kids because they cross a fine line between parody and piracy. And as you know, this move ultimately caused the downfall of Garbage Pail Kids. Following the release of Season 3, Topps was sued by the company that carried the Cabbage Patch Kids and manufactured them the lawsuit highlighted a number of key issues, stating the similarity of the logo designs, the naming of the products, the doll likenesses. So the only way that they could continue manufacturing the cards was they had to negotiate a special agreement that allowed them to do that, but they had to make significant changes. And if you remember at this point, the later series, Garbage Pail Kids, the animation got a style changed a little bit more. They got a little more dirtier, a little grittier. There was cracks and dirt on the dolls. And the the big thing was the name badge. Garbage Pail Kids was no longer in a puffy little cloud. It was now on a banner. So after that. Fans just weren't having the the changes, sales declined, and of course, we saw Garbage Pail Kids go away for a while. Now, let's fast forward to current times as we know it. Garbage Pail Kids still very much alive, and nobody wants a fucking Cabbage Patch doll. So that's my story for news. Garbage Pail Kids get ordered to stop selling their products by the manufacturers of Cabbage Patch Kids.
3: And I'm glad you mentioned it, Mark, because I was, I was going to say it's fucking hilarious that, you know, as we were talking about movies sticking around, that garbage pill kids are still going strong. You can still pick them up. Uh, they're still releasing new series of them every year. And no one but no one gives two shits about a cabbage bough. Yeah, it was just one of
0: those products. They made all the changes. And for a couple of years, people are like, no, they changed my favorite thing. I'm not having it. So it went away. And then everyone's like, oh, that was my favorite thing.
3: Yeah. So- <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Let's throw it over to the after school specials. What do you guys got for the news round?
1: All right. I guess I'll, I'll go first on this. Um, I found an article uh, from the L.A. Times, August 28th, 1991, titled uh, N.W.A. Member pleads no contest to assaulting TV rap show host. NWA member they're talking about is Dr. Dre. He pleaded no contest to a misdemeanor battery in the assault of Dee Barnes. (laughs) The doctor was accused of assaulting the pump it up host during a private party. Dee Barnes is now has been scarred for life. And uh, earlier this year was reported that she was now homeless. While Dr. Dre, on the other hand, is one of the most successful musicians of all time. He has finally uh, issued an apology, but there's actually been a few uh, accusations throughout his career. That uh, With the ruling, he received a $2,500 fine, 24 months probation, and 240 hours of community service. The beating can only be described as monstrous, all because uh, Dre didn't like comments that were made uh, by the TV host over their uh, then feud with uh, Ice Cube. Dre, uh, at that time, has been quoted as saying, I just did it, you know? Ain't nothing you can do now talking about it. Beside, ain't no big thing. I just threw her through a door. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah. I guess when it comes down to it, I guess it was just Dre's day. Uh,
0: oh.
4: oh. All right, I got a, got a little bit of news here for you. This is actually weather news, which is moderately rare, but I think this is significant enough to make an impact. Hurricane Bob, the first hurricane of the 1991 Atlantic hurricane season brushing the outer banks of uh, North Carolina August 18th and 19th, subsequently intensifying into a major hurricane with winds of 115 to 125 miles per hour. Uh, This thing made landfall twice in Rhode Island as a Category 2 hurricane August 19th, then in Maine as a strong tropical storm early on August 20th. Extensive damage throughout New England left in its wake, totaling approximately $1.5 billion, which would equate to about $2.76 billion today. Uh, this made it one of the costliest United States hurricanes of the time. As of 2013, it ranked 32nd in the category. Uh, some sources actually say that this might have caused as much as $3 billion, so twice as much, uh, which totals out to about five and a half million, or $5.5 billion today in damage. Uh, 18 fatalities reported in association with this hurricane. Loss of life and most of the damage occurred as a result of high winds and rough seas. Six confirmed tornadoes during its passage too uh it's the most recent hurricane to hit the new england states directly as a hurricane so this thing uh for lack of a better term fucked some shit up
0: yes it did
4: hurricane bob
0: yeah i was in the the pathway of hurricane bob i remember that distinctly did you stare uh, it down i did i did I did. I (laughs) i stared into the heart of the devil that day no but we lost power for about a week And I remember we all went out a week or two after the hurricane, and we were making forts underneath all the trees that had toppled over, and you had, like, all the the roots were sticking up eight feet out of the ground. It was crazy.
4: That's how Mark got typhoid.
0: (laughs) No, that was from Mary.
4: I could just picture Mark
2: outside with, uh, what's that song from from the Twister movie?
1: Long way down. Oh. (laughs) I don't think...
2: Mark's outside.
0: Except when they said, we got cows. In this scenario, they were referring to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who the fuck sung that song again? Yeah, why can't I think of their fucking name? The Gin Blossoms. No, Johnny Resnick. What the fuck? Goo Goo oh, Dolls. Goo dolls.
0: Yeah. Goo Dolls, yeah.
4: Yeah, sex one a half dozen the other. Yeah, same
2: shit. Hey, Duelers. Mark and Man Crush here. Wanted to take a second out and talk to you about our new sponsors bluechew.com
0: Whether we're competing here on Dueling Decades or chewing it and doing it in the bedroom, we are always looking to enhance our performance. Bluechew will help you last longer and go a few extra rounds.
2: You see, at bluechew.com You can get the first chewables with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. The online physician consult is free, so it's cheaper than the others. And it's made right here in the good old U.S. of A, brother.
0: Look, guys, it only takes a few minutes to connect with a BlueChew.com affiliated physician. No in-person doctor visit, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships directly to your door in discreet packaging, just like all that freaky stuff you buy online. Blue Chew
2: gives you confidence in bed every time. You and your partner will love it.
0: All right, here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code DECADES. Just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code DECADES.
2: All right, off to you. I knew news wouldn't be a great one, and we have to like, you know, give our pick to to our audience. And I knew mine wasn't going to be the greatest to give to John. So this is an early pick, I think, for everybody.
4: Oh, I know John loves hurricanes, so I know this is going to be a sweet spot for him. <laughs> I'm interested yeah, no, I'm, to see I'm how. A, he how I'm, how I'm he a really big fan
3: goes. of the weather. Uh, <laughs> I'm also. I'm also a big fan of back when news was things like. One company doesn't like another company because their stuff slightly looks like their stuff. Uh, whereas now our daily news seems to be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> No, I really think we
0: hit the trifecta here for news stories for Dr- John Cross. We covered a weather story, something yeah. about NFL, American football. Yeah. Shit, if anyone had a story about a remote control or a modem, <laughs> we'd be in the money.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, it, all all you need to do is cover a, a wrestling item, <laughs> uh, and well, we've had so we've had American, we've had a, 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 an American sport that I have no like knowledge of. Uh, <laughs> wrestling needs to come up. A computer game needs to come up at some point. Some computer game from the past. Um, but we have got um, rap stars, which again, not not my will. So rap stars, we've got uh, weather that has a silly name, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, vague football stuff, uh, but garbage pail kids I've heard of, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so that's, that's a good thing. I'm on the side of garbage pail kids. Um, so this all comes down to, uh, another <laughs> John Cross versus Man Crush situation because it's, it's whether I believe as man or whether I accept as Man Crush says that a, three-year-old failed football league actually led to a whole bunch of like miraculous things. Or whether the story is just that a three-year-old football league that nobody cared about folded. So it's it's it comes down to that. Cause uh and and the fact that like Dr. Dre beating someone up, I don't really want to uh I don't really want to give that any points. Um <laughs> uh Hurricane Bob, well, I mean, how many hurricanes have we had since August 1991? So it shows that hurricanes are at least still relevant. They're still modern. <laughs> they st- st-
4: still going. But what about Bob? <laughs> what you fail to realize, though, is that that hurricane was in uh, psychological treatment with Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> Baby steps. Yeah.
3: Um, oh, I'm going to give it to the Mamalukes because of garbage Pail kids. Shit. Um, I guess. <laughs> and football because, because I don't want to upset mankind. No, look, again. I'm, so. I wouldn't get upset <laughs> if you didn't
2: pick it. And I knew like going in, you'd, you're you not a big fan of football. So that's why I felt like I had to explain some stuff. So
3: no, no, I get it. I get it. Um, in sport, people are traded from different teams to different teams all the time, right? right. It goes on all the time. And their success or otherwise, which might make a team, Either momentarily successful or successful in the zeitgeist or then a or a legacy team or whatever it is because of certain movements that happen that happens throughout sport anyway, so to some extent, I have to look at your news story as while I totally accept what you're saying, the news story is actually they tried something they failed. that's like yeah, do you know what I mean yeah. like they tried to set up something and they failed. It would be like uh if uh Microsoft were ruling computers. Apple set up and then three years later, Apple went and never came back. And that was it. Like you wouldn't, even though Apple's innovation might have led to Microsoft doing a bunch of shit. It would be like Apple's main players,
2: like they're, you know, like their designers and engineers all leaving to go to Microsoft in that case. No, I,
3: I, I get that. But if you're a, if you're a, a footballer, there's a, and, and you're the only place you've got to go is more football. You know, like, you're. Sure. of course you're going to go on to the NFL, Al, I guess.
2: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I get it. I, yeah, I get it. Either way, we got the round, so I'm not, I'm not arguing.
3: <laughs> well, now I'm talking myself out of giving you the... No, I'm joking. <laughs> all right. Before John Cross
0: changes his fucking mind. All right. Yeah. We won this round, Man Crush. We are up two points to nothing. Just to avoid confusion, what round do you want to go with? Do you want to just do TV now? Yeah, we can do TV now.
2: Sounds good.
0: So in the summer months in 1986... Much like every other summer month for television, it was all reruns. And there was one king of reruns, and that was Mr. Bill Cosby. Except for this one weird week where they decided not to put Cosby on, they were going to replace Bill Cosby. So who do you replace Bill Cosby with? Of course, the only logical answer is Phil Donahue. So Phil Donahue goes on in prime time for a five-night special about sex called Phil Donahue examines the human animal. Mr. Donahue's principal moral lesson throughout the show is that we must draw a distinction between love and lust. So I'm not sure how this really went over. So let's take a look. I actually found another article the week after that came out in the Kentucky New Era, August 20th, 1986. It says Phil Donahue couldn't beat Bill Cosby in a rerun But daytime's favorite talk show host was a big hit in primetime, putting all five segments of his series, The Human Animal, in the top 20. The first episode, Love and Sex, pulled the biggest numbers with a rating of 20.8 and a 37% share of the audience in its 10 p.m. (laughs) time slot. Cause people hope they would see fucking... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was the first time NBC had swept the 10 PM time slot since Shogun six years earlier. So Phil Donahue in prime time. That's what I got for television.
3: If if this if the subject is sex, then it really doesn't matter. It could be hosted <laughs> by literally anyone. Uh, except maybe the crazy old man from the Friday the 13th series that says you're all doomed. As long as there's fucking in it, people will watch it.
2: It would have been weird if Bill Cosby hosted it.
3: No, that would have been disgusting and (laughs) awful. Uh, He would have been like, lust is more important. Here are the pills you give her (laughs) on next week's episode. Yeah. What I want to know is, did Phil Donahue come to the conclusion that there would be no love without lust? That's what I want to know.
2: (laughs) The world will never know. I'm kind of interested in uh, trying to find that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's available online. I'm sure you it, can watch all, all five parts of it in,
3: in its Phil Donahue glory.
2: It sounds Man bizarre. Man Crush,
3: I hate, to, I hate to tell you, but there is this thing called pornography. <laughs> it's been around for quite some time, and the internet is practically built on the stuff. I don't want to
2: see the porn part. I just want to see phil donahue talking about sex i think that would be hilarious
3: said nobody ever no
2: <laughs> <laughs> well 20 point uh what was it fucking or 37 percent share that's pretty fucking monumental for today
3: yeah but we're going back to august 1986 where there was nothing like on four yeah, channels and yeah. yeah right and they were they were like wait a minute they have sex in the title marjorie come in here sit down set
2: the vcr
3: yeah we're gonna learn something about the clitoris
2: <laughs> it doesn't exist All right, August 8th, 1986 So this TV event Just kind of like fell into my lap I went through all my typical sources I didn't find anything too exciting
3: Phil Donahue's sex (laughs) talk
2: I saw that come up, but I knew Mark had it So I'm flipping through the newspapers And I see this little blurb That says uh, Tom Schneider talk turned off again And so I'm like "Ah, That's short enough for me to read Because let's face it, if it was long I probably would have skipped it, but it was literally like two paragraphs. So it goes on to say that Tom Schneider, who had previously hosted Tomorrow and NBC for years. I'm sure Mark loves this guy. The Grateful Dead tie ins and all that shit. <laughs> but he had at the time he had this uh, new ABC Los Angeles based talk show that got canceled after less than a year. And the article goes on to say that ABC's canceling Schneider's afternoon talk show. So they can air a new Chicago-based talk show called The Oprah Winfrey Show. And I'd say that uh, ABC probably did the right thing here. As much as we all love Tom Schneider, Oprah Winfrey went on for 25 years, 4,561 episodes. It's the highest rated daytime talk show in television history. I mean, it turned Oprah into a billionaire, an icon, and she's famous throughout the world. All because they canceled this show toss us into that slot and it was specifically canceled it even says in the article that they canceled this show to put oprah winfrey on the syndication for uh abc a little shit article turns into this
3: who's oprah winfrey (laughs) no i'm I'm joking i'm joking joking.
2: (laughs) she was in that uh she was in deep purple or something
3: you know the pizza
2: lady (laughs)
3: Yeah, she's a failed Baltimore uh, TV anchor, a news anchor. All right,
0: so that's our TV offerings. What do you guys got? All right, I'll take this one.
4: Uh, August 1991, August 11th, as a matter of fact, the premiere of Rugrats on Nickelodeon, uh, the second Nickelodeon Nicktoon, as they were called, after Doug and before the Ren and Stimpy show, which also came out the same month and year, uh, making this a pretty difficult category to choose from. Uh the show is very popular a series of theatrical films spin-off specials were released over the next several years that kept the show fresh introduced new characters such as Tommy's younger brother Dill get it dill pickles mm. here all night anyway <laughs> uh final TV episode <laughs> airing on August 1st 2004 bringing the series to a total of 172 episodes over 9 seasons uh 13 year run tying Rugrats with King of the Hill and Squidbillies is one of the eighth longest running American animated television series lot of awards for Rugrats 20 awards during its run uh, including four daytime Emmy Awards six kids choice awards and its own star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame uh, Garnered pretty high ratings for Nickelodeon actually the network's top rated show from 95 to 2001 Nickelodeon's longest running cartoon for eight years until SpongeBob SquarePants came along uh, it's the third longest running animated series and in 2018 still relevant they announced a revival of the series to be produced by the original creative team uh, and further announced that paramount had greenlit a live action and cgi hybrid feature film currently set to premiere in 2021 so august 11 1991 the premiere of rugrats on nickelodeon
3: wait they're gonna do a live action and cgi rugrat movie
4: your guess is as good as mine on that one.
3: Oh wow that's gonna be worse than the garbage pal kids film it's gonna
1: be as bad as <laughs> sonic
3: all right mike what do you got man
1: Well, on August 30th, 1991, it marked the final episode from Nickelodeon's Hey Dude. The series ran from 89 to 91, and over that time, they produced five seasons and 65 episodes. Set at the fictional Bar Nun Ranch and following the lives of owner Mr. Ernst and his son Buddy, along with ranch hands Lucy, Ted, Melody, and Danny, and Brad. This teenage comedy series ran reruns up until 99 and has had its complete series released on DVD. Uh, I own uh, three seasons.
2: Why don't you own five? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why stop at three? Because I haven't I haven't gotten around to it yet. There's a lot of shit in here. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> I do the same thing. The other day we
2: just uh, we yep. were going through DVDs and I saw that I have friends only up to like season six and I don't have the rest. Why can't I just finish getting it? I'm sure I could find it for like ten bucks now for the rest of it.
3: Or throw out the first six seasons and you've kind of like then you can just level the playing field and move on. I don't you know throw I mean? away
2: anything. I don't throw away anything. Even the shittiest stuff. Gotta keep it.
3: All right, John Cross. Let's
0: throw this one well, down to you for the ruling.
3: Oh my goodness. Well, this is this is difficult because uh it's difficult apparently in the twenty twentieth and twenty-first century to defeat Oprah Winfrey in any way at all. Um, I I would love to, in some way, uh, uh, to, you know, say to Oprah, you're not all that. (laughs) Um, But uh, sadly, uh, the uh, 6.9 other billion people on the planet seem to disagree with me on that. Um, However, the Phil Donahue thing um, is, you know, yes, it was successful at the time, but however, on the, the special side, it's a similar situation. Rugrats, another incredibly popular thing, uh, ha- is culturally relevant, has stood the test of time, et cetera, et cetera. And then Hey Dude, which I'm sure has uh, an important place in people's hearts, but can't claim the same cultural significance. So we have a battle royale between Oprah Winfrey and the Rugrats.
4: And if I had a nickel. And
3: um, I want to give it to the Rugrats. I do. But I have to give it to Oprah Winfrey. But I want to give it to the Rugrats.
4: I'd be careful how you state that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a clip.
3: Yes. No. It is. <laughs> I want to give it to the Rugrats. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I'm going to do is give it to the, uh, Oprah Winfrey, and I'm going to give it to Oprah Winfrey for two reasons. Uh, one is her production of, uh, or her production company, doing Selma. And the other one is her production company doing When They See Us because both things uh, were impeccable. Um, so I will give it to her for that. Just not for those shows where she gets people crying on a couch and giving people cars because fuck all that. histrionic bollocks.
2: I honestly Car- never saw the draw either. So no. I I kind of agree there. But she is huge. But not Well, not like that. She was.
3: <laughs> I tried to say this at a gathering of my friends the other other night about like, ah, eh, she's just like this talk show host who kind of became very successful. And everyone piled on me and they were like, she's not just a talk show host. She said things that were super important and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, but a bunch of people said all those things prior to her as well. Like, it's not like she was the first person to say important things. And then I'm like, most of her shows were just people crying on couches and celebrities admitting shit that nobody really needed to hear from celebrities. And, and, but I got, cut down by some of my favorite people and they said no you're fucking wrong she's super important she's the best person so I was like fine uh, uh, in order to become an American citizen now you have to love Oprah Winfrey so that's what it is.
0: I told you not to argue that Benny Hill was more culturally relevant than.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now listen I don't like Benny Hill either but uh, that's that's another one.
0: Alright man crush we take another round where do you want to go next? Man?
2: Hot products yeah, yeah hot I think products. we have to uh yeah you can
4: go first
0: all right so in august 1986 toy company worlds of wonder releases a new product branded laser tag Uh, this product would become a massive hit throughout all of fall and christmas time of 1986 and by 1987 you would see the craze disappear because on april 1987 a 19 year old boy was shot and killed in rancho cucamonga california by sheriff's deputies and that put the fear of laser tag into america but you know what even through that laser tag hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars each year poured into this industry still to this day it's really provided a lasting legacy in worlds of wonder had the there was another company called Photon that came out about the same time. Worlds of Wonder had the more popular brand if you saw it advertised in TVs and commercials. Both companies had an animated series. Laser Tag Academy was produced by the Ruby Spears production. It aired on NBC uh, shortly after what we're talking about, August of '86. It started the next very month in September. So that's what I got for hot products. You can't get any hotter than the less than a year we had of laser tag and it's still around today believe it or not went away for a while and then we came back to our senses you know what's funny
2: about that i remember before the show i was telling you how my parents bought me photon a year later because it was cheaper and whatever now after you selling that story about a kid getting shot and it dying and then my parents bought me the photon was that like an underlying message to like yeah go out and play in the street with your photon go ahead Show that gun off in the streets, like what? Or were they just not reading the news?
0: Are we gonna have to have a dueling decades couch session? God, yet? they
2: bought me Gobots. God damn it.
0: Baby steps, man crush. Baby steps. I had
2: Gobots. I know. God, look how we turned out. All we do is collect dumb <laughs> shit. Wish we had it back then. <laughs> All right, so uh, going to my, my Mark's items pretty exciting, and I wanted to find something equally as cool. So I looked and I looked and I scoured every bit of a newspaper that I could until I found the ultimate hot product. And everything I found, the dates were off. So And then I I was like, whammy, I found it. August 1986, found an ad for this thing, started digging more. We got motherfucking dockers. Not to be (laughs) true. I know Bo looked up. I'm not talking about docking. And dockers... By Levi Strauss and Company, they gifted us the pants that go with everything. And uh, the government-issued uniform for preppy white people came out August of 1986. And I'm sure over the course of the last 33 years, everybody on this panel, all five of us, have owned at least one pair of Dockers. Absolutely. John's saying no, but I can definitely see John's been rocking Dockers to Casual Fridays the last 20 years
3: <laughs> i i have not i i have i have tried uh dockers on in uh my local kmart um obviously i went into a dressing room i didn't just stand out there and try dockers on but uh no i don't no i, I didn't like the feel of them and i didn't like the cut of them so i did not buy them but i have tried them on but i've never i've never purchased a So
2: they've touched your body they've touched everybody's body on this panel yeah phrase but this was interesting. Yeah. By 1999, 75%, approximately 40 million American men owned at least one pair of Dockers. Uh, it's also been said that this sparked the business casual trend, like I was just saying with John, that it first appeared in the 80s. And it's pretty much, it's grown to encompass 70% of the workforce today. With these, uh, I don't, I'm, we don't even dress up anymore. But can you imagine, like before this time, in the '80s, people always dressed up like really sharp to work, and it didn't matter yeah. what the fuck they did. They always had like a tie and a button-down shirt to work at, like Radio Shack and shit. And then Dockers doctors came along, and everyone started wearing this shit. But by 1991, it was also a 500 million dollar business. I couldn't find the figures all the way up to 2019, but I'm sure it's friggin' astronomical because they're still around. But there it is, Dockers.
0: Solid.
3: What What's funny is like the do- the Dockers they have, like I say, in my local Kmart um seem to be more like like hardier work pants like if you're working like construction or outside or whatever they don't seem to be like casual pants anymore they've
2: spurned like they spurred off into like a bunch of different things they even have like camping dockers and shit like that now so but back then it was strictly you know your office casual they were like chinos Yeah, just like a regular pair of khakis, but they said Dockers, so they were fucking cool.
3: Oh, you guys call them khakis. Okay, yeah, but beige chinos is what I think. But, like, yeah, whenever you see, like, the the Rapist Wall Street set, they have the beige chinos or Dockers on with then the, like, pastel shirt. Like, whenever you see a guy wearing that combination or anyone wearing salmon-colored shorts coming at you, this is a public message for all women. (laughs) Uh, When you see anybody like that coming at you, avoid... At all fucking costs. They travel in packs and they are literally the worst humans who have ever existed. <laughs> they bray like donkeys and uh, smell twice as bad. Do not go near them. I repeat, do not go near well, them. Well, that
2: all started in August 86.
3: Yeah.
0: Those
2: clicks got together.
3: Connecticut people, we call them. <laughs> Some
0: people call them in-laws, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, over to the after-school special. What do you guys got that special?
4: Mike, you want to kick this one off or you want me to go?
1: Uh, You go. I like yours better than mine.
4: Uh, Hot products for August 91. August 13th, a big release for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Talking about Super Mario World, the first Mario game for the SNES designed to make the most of the console's technical features. Uh, Super Mario World, often considered one of the greatest video games of all time, selling over 20 million copies worldwide, not just domestically, worldwide worldwide. Uh, Also making it the best-selling SNES game. Also led to an animated television series of the same name. And just droves and droves of uh, re-releases on multiple platforms and multiple occasions. Most recently, as part of the Super NES Classic Edition, which sits atop my living room entertainment center and collects dust most of the time, but does get the occasional use. Uh, It's it's really a parable, just, just about the same as my penis uh <laughs> but yeah there's that super mario world <laughs> the most played game of 1991 <laughs> bo's penis <laughs> yes all three years old of it <laughs> it was a hot bottle year. <laughs> tugging on it like a piece of taffy
1: <laughs> all right can't wait what do you got mike Alright, well, I, on, released on August 23rd, 1991 in North America as one of the launch games for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, was a futuristic racing game called F-Zero. Taking place in the year 2560, a player can choose between four characters and the respective hover car, featuring a new graphical mode called Mode 7, an innovative and technological achievement creating the appearance of three-dimensional graphics. F-Zero is credited as a game that set the standard for racing, the racing genre and inventing the futuristic racing sub subgenre. F-Zero was one of the top-selling games for the system, has seen a number of re-releases and sequels, and basically both my pick and Bo's pick were the launch games for the Super Nintendo, which was also released uh, same day.
2: Good shit. <laughs> I wish we had games. There was nothing great for uh, August 8th.
0: That's a good pick, man. I love F Zero. That was that was my jam back in the day. But I'm surprised you picked that over the actual release of the console, which was sold way more units than F Zero did. Just saying, man. Just saying.
2: Wait meh. the con the console was also August 91. Yes. Ooh, man. Risque. Well,
1: Super Mario Super Mario World Brother- Super Mario World is the pack in game. That's how that was introduced. So if you got that game August 23rd, that's you got the Super Nintendo.
0: Oh, so you couldn't buy the game a la carte?
1: No, not you couldn't do that until later. All right. Okay. So right. Bo's so pick is basically both. So More that, or less, you, yeah. That makes it even fucking Pretty better. much, All yeah. Right. That's really how it should, yeah.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. I just went from <laughs> making their pick sound shitty to making it sound way better. Yeah, it does sound <laughs> way better.
2: But I got fucking dockers, bro.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily the Mamelukes have made my decision for me, and the after-school specials take this round. All right. Wow. Can All you right. say that again? I don't again? know what else to say. I mean, Super Mario World and the uh, NES, whatever it is, that sounds great to me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right. You know, the the uh, dick game machine, whatever he was talking no, about.
3: Listen, I, I mean, I get it. Look, Dockers and Laser Tag. Two of my favorite things uh, to do around the back of a liquor store, but um, the...
2: No, it's dockers, not docking.
4: Same deference.
3: No, I meant dockers as in men who work down by the dock. And And together we play a game that I like to call laser tag. So uh... Tune in Tokyo. But no, listen, I like to cause a little bit of friction as we go into the final parts of the show. So, I'm giving it to the after-school specials for the whole Nintendo thing. All right, guys. The game's getting tight. Mm. (laughs) Much like my Dockers.
0: (laughs) Do you guys want to start off, or do you want to defer?
4: What do you think, Mike? What do you think there, Bo? Oh, goodness. I like deferring. Yeah, let's defer to the second half.
0: All right, Man Crush.
4: Let's do that. Let's defer.
0: It's over to us. Do you want to start this one off, or should I?
4: Uh, You start this one off.
0: All right, gentlemen. I'm going to take you on a trip. We're going to go back to August 2nd, 1986. Now, if you went shopping back in the day and you're out picking up uh, some albums, household accessories, maybe stuff for the weekend, if you're a fan of heavy metal back in the day and hair bands, you would have got your Aquanet and your lipstick and all your eye makeup and this album, which when you think of hair bands, this is one of the most iconic albums ever. Poison's debut album, Look What the Cat Dragged In, released August 2nd, 1986. It peaked at number three on the U.S. Billboard 200 and was certified three times multi-platinum. And uh, Rolling Stone has listed this album as number two in the 50 greatest hair metal albums of all time. Of course, the singles on this one were Cry Tough, Talk Dirty to Me, I Want Action, and I Won't Forget About You. It's one of the all-time pinnacle great albums of the 1980s, in my opinion, when it comes down to hair bands. I mean, when they debuted, this set the tone for what hair metal would become. It was the big makeup, the the poppy lyrics, it was catchy, the fast guitar riffs, songs about partying and women. It's really what it became. And it started when Poison released Look What The Cat Dragged In, August of '86. I would just say, don't call it metal. Yeah, well, hair metal.
2: It's hair like rock, glam band. We can't call it metal.
0: That's what I've always thought, but I changed it for this because it says Rolling Stone magazine called it the 50 greatest hair metal. (laughs) What do they know? So, yeah, Rolling Stone's (laughs) always full of shit. So, But since they said it, I had to say it because that's technically what the list is.
2: I got you because my pick is on the same path as that. August 18th, 1986. We get an album that featured three top 10 Billboard Hot 100 singles, four singles overall. Out of those three singles, two singles were number one on the Billboard Hot 100 back to back. And this is the first time ever, and this is where I'll say a glam band a glam band instead of a metal band had back to back singles hit number one The two singles that I'm talking about were You Give Love a Bad Name and Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And the album I'm talking about, Slippery When Wet, uh, Certified Diamond, sold somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 million albums. You know, I'm not going to really give too much more information on this. I don't want to insult anyone's intelligence. It's a popular album. Everyone knows the songs. We all know Bon Jovi. It's still listened to today. Matter of fact, I want to throw this out there because the last time we had a monumental album, John did give us some shit about how much play it got in 2019. So those two songs and went to their Spotify, the top two songs for Bon Jovi that are played are still living on a prayer. at Number one, two is you give love a bad name, living on a prayer, 420 million plays. And uh, the second one, you give love a bad name, about 330 million plays. So these are still enormous songs, probably from housewives, but This album itself, like, even if you're not a Bon Jovi fan over the years, you know Slippery When Wet. You know, you can kind of forget the rest of the catalog. You know this one. So that's where I'm going with this. August 18th, 1986, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet.
0: All right. Off to you guys. What do you guys got?
1: Uh, On August 13th, 1991, we received the debut album recorded by Be Real, Send Dog, and DJ Muggs, otherwise known as Cypress Hill. The self-titled album reached number 31 on the Billboard 200 and number 4 on the top R&B and hip-hop charts, featuring hit singles like Hand on the Pump and the classic How I Could Just Kill a Man. The album has been certified double platinum, and everybody knows Cypress Hill. They're basically part of the whole uh, hip-hop marijuana revolution. The I Smoke Weed crowd.
0: Yeah, I'm a big Cypress Hill fan, needless to say. Uh, always was a fan of that... Kind of that Cypress Hill House of Pain click. So that was kinda of cool. Does that
1: have Dr. Green Thumb on it? No, that's actually from their fourth oh, album. I
2: think. Damn.
1: Feels like it was older. Good pick.
0: Solid. All right, Bo B craft. You got something that's gonna top Cypress Hill?
4: Well, I think so. This one's uh pretty near and dear to my heart. Uh August twenty seventh, nineteen ninety one, the debut album from American band. Pearl Jam. It's called 10. Uh, Not an immediate success by any means, but by late 1992, it had reached number two on the Billboard 200 chart. Three hit singles, Alive, Even Flow, and Jeremy. Uh, Massive influence in kind of bringing that whole Seattle sound to the mainstream. Uh, February 2013, the album crossed the 10 million mark in sales, certified 13 times platinum by the recording industry. Uh, as of 2019, it sold more than 13 million copies in the U.S. alone, remaining their most commercially successful album. Pretty pivotal as far as music is concerned.
0: All right, I guess you can't really argue with Pearl Jam. I mean, that's as solid as they come right there.
3: It's interesting that you say you can't argue with Pearl Jam because I would say that the debut of Mr. Bungle, Mr. Bungle, would probably argue with Pearl Jam. Uh, like, likewise, a thousand smiling knuckles by Skin Yard. Who doesn't remember that album? Or ask the ages by Old Sonny Sharrock. There were some classic albums of August nineteen ninety one, but I don't recognize either of the ones that they mentioned.
2: <laughs> what you are ten and or Cypress
3: Hill? I'm dude, I'm totally oh, joking. I was like, like ten. <laughs> are you kidding me like pull,
4: i was about pull, to shit a brick
3: jam is where i was living in the early See, 90s that is my bag um uh obviously i also was listening to madra by miranda sex garden and uh also perspex island by robin hitchcock and the egyptians all right you're just um, making shit up now man <laughs> i am quoting actual albums came out no uh like obviously uh, one of the other big ones you could have had, but obviously not as long lasting or as uh, uh, quintessential is something like Pocket Full of Kryptonite by the Spin Doctors, which at the time was like just one of those albums um, that everyone was putting on. Of course, it didn't really have legs in the same way. Um, but uh, yeah, 10 by Pearl Jam, man. Um, can you also can you believe that Procol Harum put out an album in 1991 that they were still going in
1: 1991? It mm. kind of
3: blows my mind in a way. Um, and of course, everyone's favorite voice of the beehive put out Honey Lingers, which, uh, is, I don't know about you guys, but I put that on all, all, all the time. Uh, no, big albums for me in 1991 would have been Leisure by Blur. That was a fantastic album. 10 by Pearl Jam. Um, Pocket Full of Kryptonite and, uh, yeah, the uh, Cypress Hill, Cypress Hill. They were big albums for me. Let's go over to 1986 in music. See, uh, so outside of Look What the Cat Dragged In and Slippery When Wet um you probably could have had uh also dancing on the ceiling the lionel richie album but my favorite album of august 1986 of course has to be high priest of love by zodiac (laughs) mindwarp uh i'm not making this shit up that's an actual thing i can't
2: tell if you're serious or
3: not (laughs) no i'm (laughs) if you like it or if you're just mocking it Oh no, I'm making shit oh. up now at this point. Uh no, I mean these albums exist but I I didn't I've never heard Okay, of them I was like wow, your simply... musical taste is vast if you know that shit. All right, so let's just go with this then. Uh oh, this is difficult because whoever I give this to wins the game and uh I don't know, we're in we're at a point right now where do I go as you quite rightly pointed out like kind of housewife classic like like will someone will always be playing one of these dreadful fucking songs off these dreadful fucking albums for the rest of our fucking lives and we will have to listen to living on a fucking prayer till i fucking put a knife in my face or do i go with cool and groovy and hip and uh revolutionary to some extent and influential and john john
0: Sorry to interrupt. You're you're getting it confused. I had poison.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Fuck. Why does it always come down to this? Why is the last round always the hardest fucking thing? Uh...
0: Because if not, the game would be really fucking boring.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it i get it fuck it i'm gonna do it after school specials uh they wear with cypress hill cypress and 10 by pearl jam you cannot cannot underestimate in 2019 and and all music past 1991 the influence of 10 by pearl jam and uh while look what the cat dragged in and slippery went wet well obviously as i said huge albums songs off those will be played forever it, they were also very samey. They were also very much of a muchness. They were all also of their time and, and, and part of Spit and Hit the Hair band album, uh, in the 80s. Whereas 10 by Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill, Cypress Hill, that was the start. It was the, the, uh, the, uh, beginning of a movement that, uh, influenced and spread out throughout indie rock, uh, for the next, uh, 30 years. So I'm I'm going with them, and I can back it up. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm sorry, the Mama Luke's. I hate to let you down. but uh, And the 1980s. I love the 1980s, my favorite decade. But I'm going with 1991, after-school specials.
0: Awesome. Congratulations, after-school specials. Finally toppling the Mama Luke's.
2: Well, I would say that both those bands wore Dockers. At some point.
0: Oh, I I think they still wear dockers. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm
4: just gonna throw dockers it out and docs.
0: I think they wear dockers so- while docking.
3: Yeah. Cypress Hill's unsuccessful and unreleased tenth album, Dockers of For Me Baby. Uh unfortunately <laughs> never hit the same. All
0: right, so once again, congratulations to the After School Special. Now, if you've missed an episode, you can always go back on DuelingDecades.com where you can subscribe to us on iTunes and on CastBox. Follow our social media as well. You can go over to Facebook.com forward slash Dueling Decades where you can join in the conversation and join in on some great new retro content as well. During the week, we have trivia questions where you can get a chance to earn some points for the Dueling Decades leaderboards. All right, Duelers, and before we check out, we're going to toss over to John Cross for a special announcement.
3: I love it when Mark tosses all over me. So um, I just wanted to let everyone know, if you're a fan of the 80s and you're a fan of the 90s, uh, in the last uh, two months, I have resurrected an old podcast of mine, Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid, which is kind of like if MST3K... Uh, met the rude and filthy voice Derek and Clive from the UK and did comedy commentaries over 80s and 90s action films. Uh, we just put out a second revival episode. Uh, this was a show that I'd done between 2012 and 2017 and then kind of didn't do anything for a couple of years. Well, we're back. Uh, We're on our second episode of our revival, our 101st episode. Uh, Lots of back stuff to watch. All the movies we try and cover are on YouTube, so you can watch along with us. Um, So please, if you are so inclined, check out Dr. Action the Kick-Ass Kid if you're an 80s and 90s fan of action movies like I am. Thanks so much, guys, for letting me plug that shit.
0: And thank you, duelers, for listening to another episode of Dueling Decades. So until next time, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone.
2: Infirmary Media.
1: This podcast is supported by Oasis, a paychecks company. Oasis helps small and medium-sized businesses to simplify back office complexities like payroll, benefits, HR, and compliance. With Oasis, you can continue to run your business fearlessly. Learn more at oasisadvantage.com slash podcast.